I'm glad I'm never alone, amen? I always, always have the Lord with me, always ready. And uh, take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, as we know, the battle is the Lord's. And uh, we're, we're fighting a real enemy. And we, we fellowship together. And, uh, you know, during this pandemic, um, we've been kind of just scattered. People haven't been able to come to church. Matter of fact, we just started coming to church. And, uh, but the Lord is always with us. Now, there's strength in numbers, and we have two services, and so, you know, I like a full auditorium. I like everybody together. But because of the pandemic, we've just, we've cut back. We've, we've split the congregation. That's not a good word, good word to use in churches, split. But, uh, so we, as believers, though, we gain strength through each other. Uh, we're encouraged by each other. And so we've had to go through quite a long time without being together. We have our school back together. Our school started two weeks ago, and... 263 students on the campus plus the 30 staff people, all the parents coming in and out. I mean, there's, it's just unbelievable, the joy. This one little family out here, it's two, two sisters and a little, the boys in the, in the stroller, and the mom brings them, drops them off at preschool, one's a preschool child, so she has to come in every day just outside the door there. They say bye to each other, they say goodbye, and they give one hug, they get a kiss. Goodbye, they call her, even another hug and a kiss. So all three of them have to hug each other and kiss. And then the mom, and then they go in, you know. And then they get to go in with their little friends. You see, they get to go to school. They get to be with their friends. And there's something about relationships, friendships, husbands and wives and families. And it's just, uh, it's powerful. God has created us. God has given us a family. He's given us a home. And he gives us a church home. Someone has said uh, everybody has to have three homes. You want to have a, you have a family. You have a place where you live. That's your home. And then uh, you have uh, a church home. Now, where you go to church. You come out from among them, you know, the world. And you come, we come in here, we gather and we gather around the Bible. We hear a message from God. This is our church home. And then you have to have a, an eternal home, a home in heaven uh, forever and ever. March 12, 1972, I was born into the family of God in Rochester Hills, Michigan, uh, where I grew up and uh, was born into the family of God. So I have three homes. I have a, a family. I have a home that I live in, my family. And I have a church family. And what's neat is I've always, I've had this for the last 40 years, 45 years of my life. So I have friendships. I have people, uh, you know, in this room here. We have, we have things in common. Uh, some of us are sports uh, fans. And some like certain teams. My wife likes Seattle Seahawks, so I was, became a Seahawk fan. She liked Jordan Spieth. Well, Jordan Spieth, I don't see him playing golf anywhere anymore. I don't know what happened to Jordan. He did sign a $100 million contract to advertise for Under Armour, so I guess he's okay, even though he's not playing that well anymore. 
But during her transplant, she had to be at home 100 days. She was quarantined for 100 days. She couldn't go out, couldn't see anybody, couldn't see the grandkids, had to get rid of the dog for 100 days. I was happy about that. And, uh, but went through that quarantine time, and at that time, she became a football fan, and she became a, a golf fan because she stayed home. And then she wanted to stay home on Sundays and watch golf. I said, no, honey, you're going to church, you know. No, she never did that. We'd tape it, though. She loved golf, man. So I became more of a golf fan. I watched golf. And, but, you know, together, relationships together, a common bond. And so, so here we are. We're all going through this pandemic together. And it was supposed to be like two weeks, 15 days to let the, flatten the curve. Well, we're still flattening it. You know, it's not getting any better, much better. And, uh, and so it's, it's impacted all of us. We used to go places together. We used to go out to dinner together, out to fellowship. And we have fellowship here. We haven't had Sunday school now for almost six months. Your Sunday school classes, those were the people that you fellowshiped with. Now that we have two services, some people don't ever see each other coming to church, you know. So it's been different. But what we have to understand is the common bond that we all have. And what is so neat about it, I, I was thinking about it. What would, what would I have in common with LeBron James? Other than the fact that I'm better than him as a basketball player. And it would be rough for, him to, for me to tell him that and he, him to understand that. But what would we talk about? What would I talk about to Shaquille O'Neal? You know, my friend, I, whenever my friends call me from back east in Michigan, back different parts, I always act like I'm with somebody famous. I say, hey, Shaq, get me a seat over there, would you? I'll be right there. I got him talking to a friend from Michigan. Yeah. No, it's, you know, and I, well, I just kid. You know, people back east, they think we hang, just hang out with Hollywood people. You know, they just, no, we haven't seen a celebrity, you know. But they think, just think celebrities just hang with us. You know? But you see, we have something in common as Christians. We're from different parts of the country, different parts of the world, but we're believers in Jesus Christ. We believe the Bible. We believe in heaven. We believe in hell. We believe in eternity. And we're getting prepared. We're preparing for eternity. First thing we do, we get saved. We become a Christian. We walk with God. But we have things in common because of Jesus Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We are born again by the same blood. So when, you, when you're born, you have your father's blood. And uh, so um, we're born again through the father's blood. So we all have the same father, heavenly father. We're born into the family of God. And so no matter where we're from, uh, originally we all are a part of God's family now. And then we come to a church like this, a local church. We're just a called out assembly. We gather around the Bible, the word of God. We hear a message. See, I have clear direction the way I'm supposed to live my life. I have clear direction about, as I think about the future, what I'm going to do with my life over the next 10, 15 years. I know what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching the Bible. I believe it's going to be here, but if it wasn't here, I'd be doing it wherever I was. 
wherever God called me. When I lived in Michigan, I pastored in Michigan, I always wanted to move to Florida. That's the, if you could just move to Florida, then your life would be different. That's what you thought when you lived in Michigan. You wanted to have a place up north, and then you wanted to have a place down south. So you wanted to live in Michigan in the summer, and you wanted to go to there in the winter. That was life. But you see, that's really not life. Life is a battle. And Satan wants to destroy you. He's out to destroy your family. He wants to destroy you. He wants to defeat you. Uh, in our text here in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we come to verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see, our strength comes from God. Again, I'm thankful. I had a great family, but my strength doesn't come from my family. I had, uh, you know, you have, we have a church here. My strength doesn't come from the church. My strength comes from the Lord. I come here to worship him. I come here to lift up his name. I've come here because he commanded me to come here. Come out from, come out, uh, assemble yourselves together. Forsake not the assembling yourselves together. So we are all here because of God, because of Jesus, because of his command. And so it says here, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so we're going to look at these garments here. First, the, the, uh, the girdle on this armor. But the Bible says here, put on the whole armor of God. So the picture here is you're, you're ready to go into battle. The whole armor of the, armor of the Roman soldiers laying here you got to get ready. You're just not going to go out there and fight. I remember years ago we we went on a we went paintball to a paintball place. Anybody played paintball before? You shoot people with these paintballs, and they're hard. They hurt. If you get shot with one of those paintballs, you'll usually have a bruise like that. So I remember we used to always have this kid named Eric. We'd say we just use him as a decoy. I'd say Eric, run over there, and boom, boom, we get shot like ten times. Oh, that's where they all are. We would know where everybody's at then. He never figured that out. We had one boy come, and he was like a seventh grader. I was the youth pastor. And all he wore was a black garbage bag. That's all he had on. He had a head cut in it, nothing on his arms. But when you go paintball, usually you wear like a couple sweatshirts, heavy pants. You know, you're going to get shot. It's, you don't want it to hurt. Kevin was his name. And Kevin just, you know, he was just that kind of kid that irritated everybody. I was so glad. I shot him 10 times myself <laughs> from the back, you know. Um, but he, he wasn't ready to play paintball. He, came out, <laughs> he was so bruised up, you know, from that. I'll never forget. We played against this. We went to this place, and they put us against other people. You don't go to a paintball place and play against. We want to play against each other. So they had this one guy, he's a Vietnam vet. He's down in the water. He's in the wa this swamp <laughs> on this farm. You can't see him. He's covered in mud, and he's just picking everybody. Where is he at? He's in the water. And who gets in the a mucky water with probably had leeches all over him, and he picked us all off. I mean, they were just shooting. We were just Baptist kids, you know. 
these guys are professional paintball players. They're just shooting us. It was like a game to them. Well, it was a game. And that was a game. But the truth is we are all in a battle. And the battle, first of all, is over the soul of mankind. When you got saved, you, Satan lost that battle for your soul. And so now here you are, you're trying to live for God in a world that's constantly going against God, going the other way, taking the Bible out of the public schools, um, taking Merry Christmas out of Christmas, you know, just ridiculous things. But this is the world we're living in, and the world is moving quicker, faster and faster away from what's right, you know, what the Bible teaches. So you want to live your life through a biblical worldview. In other words, what does the Bible say about life? Life begins at conception. So there, that, that takes care of abortion. The family, God created Adam and Eve. That's, that's, that's it. That's what the Bible teaches. And so we live our lives according to the Bible. And so what we want in this, in this world is we want life and liberty. We believe in life. And that's why we are against abortion. We believe God gives life. And then liberty, liberty to, to live, to worship, to fellowship, to enjoy what we have in this life. But the devil, listen, the devil wants to destroy that. He, he, the Bible says here, find them, be strong in the Lord. But wait a minute, look where the battle really starts here. If you go back to chapter uh, 6 and verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So the battle starts with the children obeying their parents. In the Lord, for this is right, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So they grow up, they begin to honor. That it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. So we're talking about an earthly life. This is the way you live on the earth. Honor your mother and father. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. So as a dad, you can't provoke your children. You've got to treat them respectfully. You've got to treat them graciously. You've got to be, you've got to be fair with them. Again, ser servants, be obedient uh, to your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling. In singleness of heart, of your heart, as unto Christ. So, again, as a servant, as somebody who has an, uh, a job, I'm to serve. I'm to serve in singleness of heart as unto Christ. So everything I do, I do it like I'm doing it for Jesus. Lord, what would you have me to do? How do I follow this instruction? I live my life. I obey and do things so that God would be pleased. I follow the Lord. And so... When, we, when we're thinking about this battle, the battle goes back, the battle's over your home. Satan wants to destroy your home. Satan wants you to be, your house to be broken up. He wants to destroy your friendships. He wants to destroy you sometimes through a friend. And so, by the way, and, and he never lets up. Satan just keeps pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding. The Bible says that God will never give you more than you can handle. But you've got, to, you've got to have the whole armor of God. 
You've got to be ready. The Bible says here in verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, right now we're wrestling not against flesh and blood uh, with this cor- cor- the coronavirus because it's, it's, we can't see it. And so you, same thing with the spiritual warfare. The spiritual warfare that we have, we don't see it. It comes through the airwaves. It comes through what you listen to, what you see. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So if we have those in leadership that tell us that this is right and it's really wrong according to the Bible, that's spiritual wickedness in high places. They're wrong. The Bible's right. So we follow the Bible. Well, how do we know what to follow? How do we know what's true? Well, we find it from the Bible. So when we're fighting against, this is a spiritual warfare. The the battle is over for your heart and for your mind. If we get you, if the devil gets you to think, well, you know, if somebody gets you to think something, then you'll do it. That's why that's why they spend millions of dollars on advertisement. How does Facebook make money? They put after they put stuff on there to make you buy it. It's just not to say, okay, why is it worth twenty billion dollars so we can show our pictures to each other? No, they're making money off of that. People on that go on Facebook are making money because they, they advertise. Same thing with Twitter. You know, all those, those social, the social media, they're throwing things out there to get you to buy it. They're touching, they're getting you to see it and desire it and go buy it. And so the same way the devil works. He wants you to see something. He wants you to want that. And then he wants you to buy it, whether it's yours or not. He wants you to take it. And so he's attacking. It's a spiritual warfare. He wants to destroy the home. And then he wants to destroy you in the meantime. And so you just got to be ready. You got to be ready to fight. You got to be alert. When I go to bed at night, I, I have no... I have no uh, alarm or anything, you know what? But you know what somebody taught me? On my Chrysler, I have a loud horn on that. And so if you push the button, I can push that button from my bedroom and it, it'll turn the alarm in the car on, loud. It's, the neighbors can hear it. So that's my, I just have that with me. If somebody tries to break into the house, now Max, my dog, is only like this big, he isn't gonna hurt anybody, you know what I'm saying? He's running and hiding. So I can hit that button, though, and that's going to alert my neighbors. What's going on at the pastor's house? Somebody's, what, his alarm's going off in the middle of the night. So that's a good way for you. If you don't have an alarm in your house, keep the keys to your car. You hear something, just hit that button. It's going to turn the alarm to your car on, and that'll alert your neighbors. If you have good neighbors, maybe they'll just come steal your car. You know, so be careful. You know, I don't know where you live, you know. But we're in a battle, and so as a, as a dad, I had to teach my children, my wife and I, how to be ready, how to live their lives. 
and how to walk in faith and not, not in the world. And so it's giving us a formula here. He tells it, the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he comes to chapter 6, he, he's talking about the home. He's talking about relationships. He's talking about respect. He's talking about being a, um, a father. He's talking about being a, a master. He's talking about being a servant. And then he gets right down to it. He says it's a spiritual warfare. The rulers of darkness of this world. Wherefore, verse 13, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the, in, in the evil day, and having all done all to stand. So, he gives us the first piece of the, of the soldier's garment here. He points out the first piece, and this first piece is most essential. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So the soldier, he would put a tunic on, it would go, kind of go over his head, a little thicker than the garbage bag, you know, but he would put it over him and it would come down to about his knees. And then he would put a belt on because you don't want to wear anything baggy. If you're, you know, because you don't want, you know, if, you go up, if you're, you're, you're in armed combat, somebody starts falling, you, they can't grab your shirt and pull you, pull you down. You want that tight on your, on your waist. So you put the belt, this big belt around. They call it a girdle, but it's really a big belt. And that stabilized, that makes it to where it's not flowing. It's tight to the body. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. And the truth is we find in the Bible. You see, the devil wants to destroy us, but God is greater. 1 John 4, 4. The Bible is clear. You are, the, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You understand? Greater is he that lives within you than he that is in the world. So, we don't have to fear the devil. The Bible says in, in Revelation, what's going to happen to Satan? Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. Where is he headed? This is where he's headed. That's why he's fighting now. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's Satan's destiny. That's his final destiny. And so what we're battling over, the battle today is over the final destiny of man. Satan wants you to join him. He wants you to join him. He wants people to join him on his final destiny. It's a spiritual warfare that we fight. It's over life. It's over the soul. And the truth of the Bible gives us the way to find our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so we have to be able to stand. We have to understand what God wants. The Bible says we're to put on the whole armor of God. Not just part of it, put on all of it. So you have to gird yourself about with truth. The Bible talks about this belt of truth. 
Again, the Roman soldier would put this on to, keep, to, to draw that garment in close. But even uh, normal people, ordinary people, back then they wore, they wore kind of a longer robe. And uh, they, would, they would wear a full robe. But if they were going to do some work or something, do, do something where they didn't want their robe flowing, they would put a belt on. They would tighten it up. You understand? And so they knew very, they understood very well what, you know, taking and, and, and girding up your loins meant. That's what uh, God told the children of Israel in uh, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 11. He wants them ready to go. He wants them ready to flee. He's going to free them. He says this, and thus shall you, when you eat it, with your loins girded. In other words, your travel clothes, if you're going to go for a long, you put that belt on, you put a belt on and, lo- and gird your loins with your shoes on your feet and staff in the hand, you shall eat in haste in the Lord's Passover. So it talked about being ready to go, just being ready, ready to do what God had commanded. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 35, Jesus said, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. So again, Jesus is talking about being ready all the time. Your loins girded about and your lights burning. You see, we have truth, and that truth is the light. Ye are the light of the world. Jesus came to give that men would not live in darkness. He brought truth, the truth of the light of the gospel, the truth of the light of heaven and hell. That's truth. And so it says, let, and, and let your lights be burning by the grace of God. We don't, today we don't wear robes, but we're to be, the, the Bible teaches us we're to be girded as well. Not physically, but spiritually. I'm to be ready. I'm to be ready to give an answer. I'm to be ready for temptation. Nothing should catch me off guard. 1 Peter 1, verse 13 the Bible says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope, and, and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So gird up your mind, be prepared, be ready for whatever this world throws at you, whatever the devil throws at you, it's a spiritual warfare. The belt of truth. That's true. We have to follow God's truth. We have to look to Him. The Bible says in John chapter 17 and verse 17, when we think about our hearts, our minds, and girding about with truth, sanctify them through thy what? Truth. Thy word is truth. So it's talking about the Bible. We're to be girded up with the truth of the Bible. We're to be ready. The only way, the only way you can defeat a lie or defeat something that's not true is to have the truth. You see, the devil wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy us. That's what he did with, to Eve in the Garden of Eden. He, he tempted her. He told her half-truth. He got her to question God. And you see, Satan wants you to question God. 
Satan wants you to think that God doesn't love you. Things don't go exactly right in your life. Satan wants to come in and tempt you. That's why your faith has to be strong. Your faith has to be right on. You have to know and understand God's word. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. You know, we, we've, got, we've got to be solid. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and by the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So there are those that want to deceive you. There are those that, uh, that uh, do not believe the Bible. Les Ewers lived, lives, lived over here. He just passed away. He was 91 years old. And uh, he lives right over here by the Jehovah's Witness. And so he would all, when Mike or Theo would take him home, he'd say, go put a gospel track on that door. You know, the front door of the, of the hall there. Sometimes he'd say, Theo, go take me down to the, the Mormon tabernacle. And he'd make Theo go up there and put a track on the front door. Go up there and put a track on that door. They need to know the truth. I mean, Les just was a man. Of, he was a man that, that loved to pass out tracks. He was a man that knew the truth and wanted to get the truth out. And so we've got to know that the truth, the belt, is the most essential piece of the equipment because it holds it all together. It's the truth of the Bible that holds it all together for us. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, talks about the truth. It's talking about the Bible. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. All this scripture, this Bible, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. So that's, that's what we're getting here. We have instruction in righteousness, in righteousness. Children, obey your parents, honor your mother and father. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's giving us instruction how to live. Verse 28 of chapter 5 says, So men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. You know, I don't know how much you're supposed to love your wife. You love her as much as you love you. I doubt anybody gets up and gets up, you know, just, I hate you. Just looking in the mirror. No. You just want to, you know, you, you take care of yourself. You get in your car, you put your seatbelt on. If you're going, if you're driving with your teen daughter, you put two seatbelts on. You wear maybe even a, a vest. I remember when Laura took her driver's test in Michigan. She's 16 now, you know. And so I could ride, I'm going to have to ride with her in the back seat. She has an instructor, but if I say a word to her, she automatically fails the test. So we're going down a side street there in Lake Orion, Michigan. I'm in the back seat. There's a stop sign. There's, there's a stop sign here, no stop sign here. So this car is just barreling, barreling. I'm like, that guy's not going to stop. And, you know, Laura's just 10 to, nice smile. I'm in, the, you know, the driver's, he's just looking forward. I'm in the back seat doing a silent scream. I said, okay, I'm meeting Jesus. I see angels. I see them coming. I'm thinking she's going to make it through. I'm going to get hit in the back. I'll be the only one that dies. And, you know, Laura will have that to live with the rest of her life, you know. So finally the instructor sees it and 
it spins around there, you know. But I couldn't say a word. I just had to sit there. I don't do that anymore. I don't drive with her. It's too scary. But, um, but we're guiding. We're guiding. We reprove instruction in righteousness. So this book tells us how to live. Why? That we may be thoroughly furnished, perfect, and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So God wants to bless our lives. We want to do what's right. Well, we find that out from the Bible. So the Bible is truth. It reveals our condition before God. Ephesians, uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, for, all, uh, the, for there's none righteous, no, not one. Nobody's perfect. For all have sinned, verse 23, and come short of the glory of God. But thank God that God sent his son. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That word perish there speaks of dying and going to hell. And that's what Satan wants. To turn, for people to turn away from God. You don't think that was the plan when they got the Bible taken out of the public school? They used to teach the Bible. He's behind all of that. He's behind all of that. I'm thankful here at Calvary Christian School every day. And in this Mountain Avenue Baptist Church, every day the Bible's taught. Except Saturday is the only day. Every day. And I, I, I think God's pleased with that, don't you? I think He is. We're looking into His Word. This Standing neath the cross of Christ is Calvary Christian School. This church started that school started the school. By the way, this church used to be called Calvary Baptist Church. And Calvary Christian School, when they moved from San Gregorio Street over here, they changed the name of the church to Mountain Avenue Baptist. And so, and we kept, they kept the name Calvary Christian School. So this is the 40th year of the school. We're approaching 60 years of, of having uh, the church here. It's all built upon this book right here. Acts 16.31. Again, it's the truth. It's the way. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thine house. Believe on Jesus. Believe on the Lord. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. We cannot boast here today that we're at church. We don't boast. We're here by the grace of God. By the grace of God, you know about Jesus. Somebody told you. When we have special days here, we have a special conference coming up. Ben Shetler's coming from Florida, and, and we'll have people, and we'll, we'll invite people to come to church so they can hear about Jesus. We'll have outreach so they can be saved. But it's not by works. We don't come to church to get saved. We attend church because we are saved. That's a very important truth. And then we have the final destiny of the saints. We have the final destiny of Satan in the lake of fire with everybody that he takes with him. The final destiny of the saint is found in John chapter 14, verse 1. 
Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, for in my house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come back. I'm coming back. Again, I was so wonderful to stand there on the Mount of Olives. You stand on the Mount of Olives here. It's not a real big mountain. It's just like a hill to me. You stand right here, you look down, there's Jerusalem right here. It's not very far away. I mean, you're standing on, you know, and right over here is the tower where Jesus ascended from uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, where Jesus ascended into heaven. And then it tells us that he's going to come back and plant his feet right on the Mount of Olives, and there'll be a great earthquake. So you're standing there looking at the holy city. Over to the right here, you can just see that there's a little church there right now is the Garden of Gethsemane, and all of these places. Jesus is coming back. He's returned. He's going to return. By the way, they know that. They have the eastern gate, the guide that, that, that takes you around. When you go to Israel on a tour, we're going to go in 2021, December of 2021, but you have to have a licensed citizen from Israel to do your tour. It has to be one of them. That's the only way you can go. So what happens is when you get to a site, they get up and they know the Bible. They know the sites. They know everything. They go to school for that, to become a tour director. So they know everything about what this Bible says about the places. But they don't believe that Jesus was God. So what you do, they give their, they give their thoughts on it. They give you the site and so on. Uh, the biblical background of things, and then you have a guide from your place. Uh, oh, uh, this last time we went, uh, Brother Skelly had a, gar a guy that had to back out, so Mike had been on, we had been on the trip with Skelly, so Mike had, took, was our guide. Skelly gave him like 15 pages of notes to read over and memorize as he went on the trip. As he went to each site, he had to tell him, you know, go. Oh, he would expound the scriptures, and um, and so he gave the truth. They knew they had the knowledge. And by the way, they've sealed up the eastern gate because they know that Jesus, the Bible says, is going to go through that eastern gate. Well, no, so it's all cemented shut. And when you go up on there where the tabernacle is up on the on the the, the mount there, the ta the the mount where the the tabernacle is, it's a huge area. And you can't go down there by that gate, though. Only the Muslims can go on that gate. And up on that, by the, by the tabernacle up there, you're not allowed to bring a Bible. You can't bring a Bible, and you cannot pray. So if you're walking up there on the Temple Mount, and they, they have guards up there, and they watch you. If, you. if you go over and start to pray, they'll come up and they'll, they'll, they'll kick you out. Ladies have to wear long skirts. And uh, one of our ladies had a long skirt on, but it was white. And they didn't like the fact she had a white skirt on, so they made her put a skirt on. They do it right there. They have long skirts. So she pulled her over to the side. She slipped that long skirt that went down to her ankles, a brown skirt, over her white. Our guide, who's Jewish, he wasn't a Christian, but he's Jewish. He had a little, his backpack, he had a book in there. They took it out and they said, what's this book? What is it? 
I mean, they were really, they were really hassling them. Because they don't want the truth. They hate the truth of the gospel. They hate it. And uh, they're there. There's armed guards there. And so it's uh, uh, the truth that we have. I'm telling you, church, we're so blessed. We're blessed to know the Bible. And though we're from different places, we have one thing in common. We're on our way to heaven, and we want to tell as many people about him as we can. Get the gospel out. And that's why we have what and do what we do here. Now, we've been stymied some because of the pandemic. We can't go out and do the soul winning like we used to. We don't have the bus ministry running. We don't have our master's clubs going. And that burdens me. As the pastor, that burdens me. I'm thankful that we were able to start our school. We got the uh, waiver from... I'm thankful we've gone through two weeks and nobody's gotten sick with... Uh, the coronavirus. And so we're back to doing the work of God. But what we have to be, though we're not all here, church, and though things are kind of different right now, you've got to be ready because the devil wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to trip you up. You need to be in your Bible every day. Every day. Nate back here is my personal trainer. I've hired him a couple years ago. No, he's not. He's, he's not my personal trainer. The place is closed there. I'm, I, I go by there. I see him in there working out. I'm going to report you for working out on that. You know. But Nate would always say to me, Hey, Pastor, it's, you come every Friday. That's the only day you come. He'd say, you've got to come more than just Friday. You know? And... Uh, that's, that was the truth. And I'm, I'm glad he, you know, he was such an encouragement to me. He didn't say, I'm glad you're here. He just said, you know what? What are you doing? You're just wasting your time. <laughs> That's what he tell him. You're just wasting your time, man. Just, just stay home. I say, Nate, what kind of inspir- inspiration is that, you know? But you know what? If you want to get in shape, you can't just go one day. You've got to exercise. You've got to build up. Same thing as spiritually. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to pray. You've got to get ready for game time. And I'm telling you, game time's every day. He wants the, the devil wants to destroy you. And really, as we look at this, it says, wherefore, verse 13, wherefore take up to the whole armor of God, that she may be able to stand, withstand the, in the evil day, and done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and so you have the belt of truth, having the breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel so you can stand firm. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we pray for one another. We help one another. We encourage one another. You've got to be ready, though. God has you here for a specific purpose. 
God has a plan for you. I drove out here on these new houses over here that are going in just in this field next to us. And you, you go back in there, you can already see how they got a whole little neighborhood already set up. And I'm thinking, wow, the greatest thing about that person getting that house right there is they're close to our church. And we're going to bombard them with gospel tracts <laughs> before, it gets, before they start putting out those little notices, don't come, you know, no soliciting. So when I see a no soliciting sign, I act like I'm blind. I go like this. No, I don't. But um, we're going to be like that lady that when I was in college, we had to witness to somebody every week. And so sometimes it's Sunday night. You've got to return a report on Monday. And you hadn't witnessed to anybody. Everybody witnessed to this one clerk at a 7-Eleven on the way home. You'd get there. She had a stack of tracts. She could quote the Romans road to you. I don't know if she was saved. But every student that didn't witness anybody would stop there and tell her about Jesus, you know. And so uh, I hope that lady got saved. I'm not sure if she did, but she got report. we got a good report from that. But you see, that's what we want to do. We want to get the gospel to them. And that's what excites me. This area is growing. By the way, I finally went to Trading Canes. What is it? Praising Canes? Raising canes. I had to go there last week because you guys were all talking about it. And it's good. They got, they got uh, chicken strips there. And, um, but man, we're, we're somebody now. We're in Beaumont Band and we got a Raising Canes in and out burger. And, uh, you know, wh why are they putting all those restaurants there? Because people are coming. And I don't know where they're coming from. There's lines in all those places. Where are all those people coming from, you know? But you know what? They're coming to these houses and need to, they need to hear the truth that you know. They need the gospel. And we know it. So we want to be a witness for him. But if, if, if you're going to be a soldier, though, if you're going to be on the offensive, you can't, you, you've got to be ready for the battle. You see, the devil wants to destroy you so you don't tell anybody else. He wants to convict you. He wants to destroy you so you don't feel worthy telling anybody else about Jesus. You're the key, so we're the key. So we've got to be ready. Stand firm with your loins girt about with the truth of the gospel and just be ready. Be ready every day. What does it mean? It means we need to be walking with the Lord every day in total commitment to Him. And discipline yourself to read your Bible, to pray, to follow God, and to stand. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 25, it talks about obtaining an incorruptible crown. We want, we want to live in such a way that we can gain that crown just to be faithful to our God and gird about our minds with truth. Matthew 16, 24, the Bible says, if any man will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We're following him. Are you ready to follow him? 
Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Follow him. We don't conform to the world. We're being transformed. This book transforms us. We all have personalities. We all have uh, strengths and weaknesses in that way. But this book strengthens our hearts and our minds for the days to come, for today, for tomorrow, and the days to come. So let's be in it. Let's walk in it. And let's let God prepare us for what he has for us. We're all here. God has planted us here. The people are moving here. And we want to be what God wants us to be. It's not about me. It's about how God can use me. It's about how God can use us together. By the grace of God, we've got to, we've got to have that belt of truth. It's the most essential part of the soldier's armor. It tightens up and holds him together. It supports his back and everything's connected. And what holds you together is the truth of God's word. When you feel lonely, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When you can't do it, you feel like this, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He'll help you through it. He'll give you the, he's already had the victory. He'll give you the victory. So let's look to him by God's grace. Let us pray. Father.